Apple. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Red FM. Welcome along to the Big Red Bench here on Cork Scott Times Red FM. Dan Casey here with you for the next hour or so, wrapping up the day's sporting action, as well as looking forward to some of tomorrow's. In the Formula One, Max Verstappen got his first win of the season in Bahrain, with his teammate Sergio Perez in second, and Carlos Sainz back in third for Ferrari. Feels like the season is already done and dusted after one race. Verstappen surely on to win another title but it is early days yet there and I'm sure Sarah tomorrow will be talking all about that one a bit of GA now and the Cork ladies footballers are unexpectedly in action at Super Value Park Equive this evening uh, that one was of course rescheduled Mayo currently leading the way on a score of 5 points to 3 and at half time in Derry versus Dublin a huge one here in the Gaelic football Derry trailing Dublin in the Ireland National Football League. Could this be a bit of a sneak peek into the All-Ireland? Both teams touted to go extremely far. Mostly I'm very impressed by Dublin so far this year. Ashley O'Reilly has the halftime report from Celtic Park. There's a brilliant atmosphere here at a close to maximum capacity at Celtic Park. The halftime score, Derry 1-4, Dublin 9 points. Dublin led by 2 after 4 minutes thanks to Kieran Kilkenny and Con O'Callaghan. The first three scores for Derry came from Shane McGuigan Freeze, while Con O'Callaghan had a goal chance that was well saved by Ryan Scullion on the 15th minute. Dublin are dominating the midfield, putting Ryan Scullion's kickouts under great pressure. And there was 20 minutes gone in that first half when the rain started to fall, making conditions that bit more difficult. You could feel the intensity rising with hard hits going in by both teams and with 27 minutes play Conor McCluskey saw space, he went for it and put the ball in the back of the net for Derry Karen Kilkenny has been on point for Dublin with three great points from play while the experienced Emma Bradley kicked the last score of the half to give Derry a boost going into the break. A big second half to come here at Celtic Park. It's Derry 1-4, Dublin 9 points and in the Premier League and what a win for Liverpool in their hunt for a Premier League title Darwin Nunes pops up deep deep into extra time to grab the winner Frank Watson had the full time report from the City Ground Nottingham Forest nil, Liverpool won the goal in the very last minute of nine added minutes of stoppage time from Darwin Nunes on as a sub corner for Liverpool not cleared properly Alexis McAllister clipped it back to the far post and Nunes with a deft header past Matt Sells in the Forest goal Forest will feel hard done to they had the best opportunity to score before that Anthony Alanga guilty of missing a golden opportunity in either half but Liverpool strong when it mattered Nunes to the fore as a sub and it finished Forest nil. Liverpool won and here's boss Jurgen Klopp telling Sky Sports News he knew his players would give their all until the final whistle I don't think we should um, judge or, or think even about character anymore but this team they showed it so often what do we have to do show it tomorrow morning at 7 again or what uh, they, they, the character is outstanding of these boys Elsewhere in the Premier League, it finished Brentford 2, Chelsea 2. Tough times there for Chelsea. Everton lost at home 3-1 to West Ham. Fulham beat Brighton 3-0. Newcastle also won 3-0 against Wolves. And Spurs beat Palace 3-1 at home. And a huge one in the Scottish Premier League as well as Motherwell defeated Rangers 2-1. Celtic two points behind, but a game in hand. To football of another variety now. And I caught up with Joe McCarthy to discuss Castlehaven's 112-27 win over Douglas today. We also give a bit of a preview slash review for the Cork Ladies footballers game taking place against Mayo at the moment in Super Value Parky Cueve. And of course, 
a huge one tomorrow in the same venue as John Cleary's men take on Kildare in the Allianz Football League round five. Do or die for both these sides really and no doubt uh, one that will define both of their seasons. Enjoy. We are once again delighted to be here on the big red bench joined by Jur McCarthy. Jur, you were at Castlehaven Douglas earlier. Uh, how did you fare at that one? Uh, beautiful West Cork, Dan. Uh, very wild and windy, but no snow, thankfully. So um, considering it was the first day, day out and first competitive day out for both Castlehaven and Douglas in the McCarthy Insurance Group uh, County Football League, um, a really, really good and entertaining game. Um, hard hitting, but some, some really good scores. Castlehaven emerging, all right, one twelve to 2-7 winners, but um, Douglas put in a really good shift, and were it not for some poor finishing, you know, they might have even gotten a draw out of it, but um, they were lucky, they got two lucky goals, but uh, from Castlehaven's point of view, they needed to kick on, and the, they were only up three points at the break, one five to one two. but they kicked um, some excellent points in the second half, seven excellent points, actually, and uh, they kind of leaned a little bit on, on Michael Hurley's 1-2 uh, from, from the former Cork senior footballer, but I think all in all, um, a good day's work for two teams. We played the audio, but how did uh, some start for uh, Shawnee Cahillan uh, to get uh, management on Castle Ave? And how was he after the game? Yeah, he was. He was. He was both happy and relieved. Dan, <laughs> I think is the way you describe it. But to be fair to him, um, Shawnee Cahillan is a is a Castle Haven former captain um, of, a, of a county winning team of Castle Haven county winning team. He's been in James McCarthy's backroom team for many or for the last couple of years. Yeah. So he's kind of stepping in as he set himself into a, a setup that he knows well. But James McCarthy stepping away after what was a fabulous twenty twenty three for Castlehaven winning the Cork Premier Senior Football County Championship and winning the Munster Championship in such uh, dramatic circumstances in the penalty shootout. Didn't get to the All Ireland uh, or didn't get the All Ireland title they crave but Look, Sean, he knows exactly what he's stepping into. He's got a very, very good core of players. They didn't have their Cork uh, contingent, you know, the Brian Hurley or the Callans, but mm-hmm. there's enough quality in that Castlehaven panel, not just the usual suspects either. Uh, Mark Collins and Michael Hurley, which get a lot of attention. But I think the you know, the likes of Carl Maguire, the likes of Kevin O'Donovan, the likes of Conor O'Driscoll, um, you know, Andrew Welton, these guys have all played now at senior level for a good number of years. Um, they know what it's all about. And look, on your first day out in the county league, you don't learn too much, but you do see probably the amount of work that you have to do in, over the coming weeks and months. It's the same for every club. But um, I think Castle Ever will be delighted and Shawnee Callan will be delighted for two things. One, that he got a really good test today from Brian Collins' Douglas. They were really, really well um, well set up and, and they gave him a good battle. And two, just to get a win, just to get that off, you know, that, get, get that out of the way and get things up and running because as soon as you start losing a few games, you know, it's hard to build momentum and, following in the footsteps of somebody like um, as we said with Castle Avon following in the, in, in the footsteps of James McCarthy is not an easy thing to do but I think Shawnee Callahan and his players got what they wanted today a really good test and a victory to get their uh, McCarthy Insurance Group County Football League up and running Do you think anything less than a county championship win will be uh, a failure for them or they'll see it as a failure? In some people's eyes yes um, I, I, I do think the usual suspects will challenge again this year. I think Castlehaven will definitely be in the mix once again this year with the Bars and with Nemo. They are the three top-ranked clubs and they're there by virtue of their record since the county championship structures were changed. In Castlehaven, football is king, Dan. For both ladies' football and men's football, it is absolute king. And, you know, it's. I think there's enough people around the club, though, after the year that they've had. I think they'd accept the fact that, look, if they didn't win the county championship this year, as disappointing as that might be, to get closer to being around, being the 
makes for is, is probably a bare minimum that would be expected. It's it, it's not easy to do that. And I think the reason the Bars Nemo and Castlehaven are, are there year after year is because of a number of reasons, but, but probably the strength of their panel. Each of those clubs have 30, 25, 30 players they got you know, game changers that can come on in, in at the business end of the championship and make a difference. Not every other Premier Senior Club has that. But to just answer your question directly, I think the majority of Castlehaven supporters would accept getting close and putting in a similar effort and being in the mix, probably in the sem- minimum semi-final, certainly the final, but it would be disappointing not to retain the title. But in years gone by, Dan, and this, this applies to the Bars and Nemo as well, when, when clubs have won the Cork Premier Senior Football Championship and gone on long runs, it's very, very hard to, to get back up and running and, and you know hit those hit the same heights the following year after year after year. So I'd expect Castlehaven to be challenging, but I think not too many people could be grumbling if they're in around you know the county final again this coming year, which I think they will be. Um, as disappointing as it might be not to retain it, they certainly have the raw materials to do that. Yeah, we've done our review. We'll start uh, previewing ahead. Unexpectedly, <laughs> the Cork Ladies footballers are playing in Super Value Park O'Keefe tonight against Mayo at uh, 5.30. Sorry, it'll probably be already. How old do you think uh, they'll, they'll get on? Yeah, look, this, 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 there was a lot of rearranging went on today because of an unplayable pitch originally uh, scheduled for, Ma- uh, for Mallow. Um, Cork, as we've as we've recounted on the big red bench since the start of the season, are and Shane Renee and his senior team. Look, they're in trouble in in the in this year's national league. There's no way of getting away from it. We know all the players they've lost. We know the experience that's gone from the dressing room, like Sakira O'Sullivan, Darren O'Sullivan, Roisin Field, and Breed O'Sullivan. Um, you know, it's it's very very hard to replace any intercounty team would find it hard to replace seven starters to begin with. But then when you've lost your, your most informed forward, Katie Quirk to injury for what looks like the rest of the league campaign at a minimum anyway, and you've got three or four other injuries in and around the panel, that makes things even twice as hard. Now they've not played particularly well in each of the games that they've played Cork, but they managed to eke out a result against Galway the first day out and that might eventually stand to them. Today is a very, today's game, which is ongoing at the moment because it's been uh, refixed for Super Value uh, Park Equis 4G, p- 4G pitch, as you said, Dan, is a tough test because this Mayo team under Liam McHale, former Mayo senior footballer, um, they should have beaten Kerry the last day out and they got a draw there. So it's, it's, it's certainly not going to be any easier today. I would say, though, to, I've seen Shane Renan, I've seen the, the, the Cork Ladies team come in for quite a bit of criticism. Um, it is a very, very difficult league campaign. They don't want to be there. It's not where anybody wants to be. But considering the churn and the turnover of players on the panel, and it's not an excuse, but it is a reality, you, you just can't replace that experience. If they were young players and just onto the panel, I'd say something. But as I've, I've listed off the names, these are all Ireland winners. These are people not just out in the pitch, Dan, but in the dressing room that make a huge difference. Their absence has been keenly felt. And this was always there was always going to be some sort of a backlash because of that. Maybe not as much as, as what's happened to Shane Ronan and his backroom team might have anticipated. And look, the last day out against Waterford, we were there for the big red bench. It's just not acceptable, that performance at inter-county level. By the, by the standards that Shane Ronane and the Cork Senior Footballers have set over the past decade, that performance against Waterford, and I'm taking nothing away from Pat Sullivan's side, they fully deserve to win. That level of performance or lack of performance just will not cut it at inter-county level. They need, there needs to be a reaction, and I think there will be a reaction today against Mayo whether it's enough to get a victory on the board I don't know um, I think it's going to be very very difficult because this is a really seriously talented um, Mayo side 
But look, I think the league campaign is pretty much a write-off at this stage and it's all about Munster Championship in a couple of weeks' time and, and playing Waterford again. I think that's really what the focus will be once the league is up is, is done. Will Cork get relegated? I don't know. I hope not. Um, but right now, they just need a win, any kind of win, to get things going again. Yeah, you mentioned Katie Cork there, a person who we've mentioned multiple times on the big red bench. Do you think that one player can make uh, that much of an impact on the team? She shouldn't have to. Uh, to answer your question in a roundabout way first of all but because she provided the core nearly all of the scores she scored all of Cork's points goal and points against Galway the first day out in atrocious 80 mile an hour wins um, and I think just her uh, against Kerry as well her movement and her ability to draw defenders to her created space, space for other players at the moment then she's, an, she's a huge loss to the Cork senior panel simply because of who they're missing and simply because she was in such great form. She, it's not, she's not long on the panel to bright rovers forward, but she has now established herself as a senior inter-county player. And it was devastating for her to suffer the knee injury that she did, and she's going to be out for quite a while. I think considering how low morale is and how difficult this year's National League campaign is, that just makes it all the worse. Um, because Cork don't really have somebody of her talent in the forward line right now. She's the one providing 70-80% of Cork scores in the National League this year. So quite where the scores are going to come from today, I don't know. But they've got to come from somewhere else because she's going to be out for, for, for the foreseeable future. I think her loss to the Cork setup is bad, as difficult and as hard it is for, for, for them to take, for herself as well, because she was in such good form. Um, it's just it's just terrible, terrible timing. And, and of all the players, if you asked me prior to her injury, that Cork could not afford to lose at the moment, I would have said Katie Quirk, simply because of her, her scoring ability. But look, it's time for other Cork seniors to step up. There's young players to just onto the panel. Now they're going to find out what senior intercounty is about. Now they've got to put a marker down. And look, it's not all doom and gloom. There are some seriously talented players on the panel. Abigail Ring is somebody who just wanted to mention the client for because she came on the last day um, and, and put over some good scores. So maybe she can she can take up the mantle. But we'll we'll find out over the coming weeks. But make no mistake, Katie Quirk's injury, uh, whether Cork were top of the table or bottom of the table, is just the timing. It's just a, a terrible, terrible loss to the Cork senior footballers right now. Yeah, another huge game for Cork football tomorrow. Uh, Alliance Football League round five now. Cork versus Kildare in Super Value Park Eve at three thirty. Sure, it doesn't really get much bigger than this for uh, John Cleary's men tomorrow. No, it doesn't. And I'm, I'm reminded of your excellent uh, TikTok post, Dan, because uh, you do you have a very good way of setting the seed for all of these matches. Every game right now is hugely important for the Cork seniors simply because they've, much like the Cork ladies, they've been struggling to get results. I wouldn't necessarily say they've been struggling for form because against Louth, against Cavan, on another day, they could easily have won those games. Donegal, fair enough, the first day out, they were just not at the races and I got a sound beating. But the victory and the momentum, hopefully, that they'll gain from the beating Fermanagh away uh, last weekend, we'll find out on Sunday in Super Valley Park at Cueve if they can build on that momentum. Now, the caveat is they're playing uh, a Kildare team that have no points that are having as worse uh, a season as Cork are having. And look, on and off the field, I wrote about it in the Echo this past week, then Ryan's side, they've just been subject to a lot of criticism. Um, up until last weekend when Kildare played Meath in Division 2, they were winning with 10 minutes to go. And they're having having lost by 14 points to Armagh to come back, considering the number of players that Kildare are missing through injury as well and to lead Meath uh, heading into the final 10 minutes and then they kicked some pretty poor wides and allowed Meath to come back into it and snatch victory. This is a Kildare team fighting for their lives Dan so Cork are going to have to be on it from the first minute tomorrow. A lot of people seem to think 
I get the impression just reading comments online as well this week that a lot of people are under the impression ah look we've beaten Fermanagh we're just going to show up and beat Kildare that is certainly not the case I've written that I know Owen Cormican has written something similar uh, in the examiner today as well pointing out that this Kildare team um, are showing signs of life and th- if they want to retain their Division 2 status then the team that they obviously of the remaining games that they've got they'll have targeted this Cork game this is the one that they have a chance of winning simply because Cork are only two points better off than them It'll boil down to this then. Our Cork going like it's he's named the same team, which doesn't surprise me um, uh, to start. But Cork will have to produce and if not surpass what they did last week against Fermanagh when they had to come from behind, needed a goal late on, but got over the line. And at this stage of the season, and because things aren't going well for the Cork senior footballers, it's not about performance; it's all about results. A victory over Kildare tomorrow, however, it's done, um, should be enough to stave off relegation fears and have Cork looking up ahead of their final two games against Meath and Armagh rather than over their shoulders but it's going to require a big big effort and um, should they fall behind Kildare I would worry mentally you know that the, the pressure might get to a few players but hopefully hopefully the signs were positive coming back down from Fermanagh that they may well have turned the corner but we'll find out tomorrow Yeah hopefully at home as well what do you think has gone wrong for the Cork footballers all season I spoke to Cleary after the Fermanagh game and he kind of mentioned luck is that is there any truth to that you reckon I mean I know Owen McSweeney hit the crossbar against Cavan totally different game there but seemed to be getting awful uh, unlucky and then we were lucky against Fermanagh you could say for Morris Shanley to pop up and get the winner I, I, I would think any inter-county manager would answer you with the word luck I, I know where John Cleary is coming from I think Cork in Division 2 as I said you know the Louth and Cavan games could have gone either Way. They genuinely could, as could the Fermanagh game the last day. And we seem, Cork seem to be involved in a lot of close games in this particular division and find it hard to pull away from teams. I think the big issue and the big thing I've taken so far, I was thinking about it this week, just all the games together, is the, the mentality of the Cork team. Now, inside the dressing room and the bubble of the backroom team and, and the players, they've surrounded themselves. They're not listening to the outside noise. They're just trying to get on with it as best they possibly can and get some results on the board. But I worry sometimes about the mentality of the Cork footballers. Everyone knows they don't get half the support the hurdlers get when it comes to home matches. Everyone knows this. What? Yeah, this is it. Like, I mean, I don't know what it is, but I, I think there is a certain mental fragility about this particular panel. I would I would put that criticism at them that, you know, in tight situations, some players have been found wanting this year. What they need to do, though, is they need to harness what they did the last day against Fermanagh and backs to the wall, whatever cliche you want to use, us against the world. Inside the dressing room, I know there's a very, very strong belief in the group that things are going to improve as the year goes on, and I certainly hope so. But if they want to remind the public and the Cork public and the few people that do care deeply about Cork senior football, they need to put in a performance on a consistent level. And the one thing missing from John Cleary's tenure, and he's not long in, is consistency then. Last year, we went out, played superbly against May on the All-Ireland group stages and put in a fantastic performance. I was there in Limerick and got a great win. And then in the Munster Championship, we lost to Clare. There has to be consistency and we have to build that by winning games more often than we lose them. And in Division 2, that's a very, very difficult thing to do. But I do believe since dropping down, it's now year seven, if I'm not mistaken, in Division 2. And the inability to play the likes of Kerry, Dublin, 
um, you know, Tyrone uh, at this stage of the year does make it very, very hard to get up to that level if you're asked to do that later on in the summer. I think there is mentally, I think the core players just need to get that bit of momentum behind them. A victory tomorrow would make it two in a row and a positive end to the league campaign would be a good thing going into the Munster Championship. But because they're, they get so poorly supported and because because their home record in Super Value Park Equive is so bad for whatever reason over the last number of years, I do think this is a counter-attacking inter-county senior team to play better on the road. I genuinely believe that. But I just hope tomorrow that another win on the board and maybe one or two more wins before the end of the National League campaign would remind the players in that dressing room that they are a very, very good, talented team. They just need to remember it every now and again. Um, I'm not making excuses. I said, look, mentally, they've been fragile this year. They were fragile last year. But what they need more than anything, Dan, and what John Cleary needs more than anything is consistency. And that's that's what's been missing. A consistent level of performance that gets you narrow victories, not to where you see yourself losing out uh, more often than you win. And when Cork finally get to that stage and when Cork start picking up wins in tight in tight matches more often than they lose them um, then I think they will genuinely turn the corner Yeah do you think Cleary needs to rotate uh, the team a bit more that's certainly a criticism that's been thrown on him a few times now I know there's been cries from Kilimanjaro to get some of those uh, <laughs> some of those boys in but I don't know maybe he doesn't see them as up to the up to the, the level what do you think? Well I don't know what John Cleary's thoughts are on Kilimanjaro or any other team. What I do know is that he is very loyal to the guys that he picks and he sticks by them even if they're out of form and that may well be a criticism of them in the past. But what I would say is, look, it's I think anyone could sit down and pick another 15 than the 15 that might start on Sunday. I think that's just the way it is in Cork. Lots of people have lots of different opinions of who should be in there. But to have the um, fitness levels and to have the strength and the ability to, to compete at inter-county level is not, a, is not an easy thing. And very, very good club players have come up and have not made the mark at senior inter-county level or it's taken them too long to hit the ground running and there's either a churn of manager or a turnover of manager and then they don't get their chance I was disappointed this week to see that Blake Murphy has gone from the team gone from the panel I completely understand why he's gone because of his lack of opportunities and you think he's an unbelievably talented player and not necessarily a forward that we can do without right now but that's just my opinion John Cleary's opinion right now when things aren't going too well, is that he's going to stick to the tried and trusted, try and build momentum and try and build an understanding with more or less the same 15 week in, week out. So I see what he's doing and I can understand why he's doing it. But I do believe at some point you have to find room maybe for guys who you haven't really given a run to and give them their chance, the likes of Blake Murphy. Um, it will all depend on results, Dan. Like if, if we were to lose to Kildare tomorrow, the back backlash will be pretty severe. I think John Cleary knows that, so I would imagine going with the same 15 and trying to build on the momentum of winning up in Fermanagh, I can understand it, but he's got it. his players have got to deliver a full 60-70 minute performance against Kildare, because if they don't, and if they were to lose that game, I think just the backlash will be, will be fairly hard to take. But I can understand when things are tough and you're not getting the results necessarily that you want at this stage of the year, the best thing to do is to stick with the, the starting 15 that he thinks John Cleary will give him a chance, best chance of winning. I suppose he was kind of justified in a way in the Fermanagh game because Brian Hurley came under a lot of fire um, for his past performances. But then in the Fermanagh game gets seven, eight points, whatever it was. Um, so I suppose that can show you maybe sticking with some of these guys can prove can prove the right decision ultimately but it's, uh, it's pretty more about finding the blend between the two 
Yeah, it really is. And it's not an easy thing to do. If you're winning all the time, Dan, had Cork got two or three wins on the board, he could start, John Terry could start experimenting now, but he doesn't have that luxury. And the other thing is, I think, to make you know, to break into an inter-county team you really have to be at play and here's the word again consistent you have to be at playing at a highly consistent level and I'm not privy to what's going on in, in the training matches or the training sessions or what John Cleary and, and Kevin Walsh and James Lockery um, are seeing in training we can only go on what they see but right now heading into such an important game that one or Cor- that rarely at, at this time of the year Cork are expected to win but they really are expected to win against Kildare tomorrow I can see why you would go with the guys that got you over the line against Fermanagh rather than throwing the dice with a couple of young fellas I think to be fair to Cleary if he had the opportunity he would field them but because results have gone against him at the start of the National League he's not in a position to do that and just finally I never understand the criticism of Brian Hurley um, that he gets because when the guy isn't scoring he's winning frees and he's usually been pulled and dragged by one if not two defenders and he is hugely hugely important to this Cork setup and will remain so for this year yeah and he's just keeping uh, Sherlock at that 26 position is he just putting him in as a super sub in mind or do you think he will get his start eventually uh, the same criticism was levelled uh, last year when Char- Stephen Sherlock wasn't starting and look when he was playing lights out for the bars and before he got onto the Cork team you can read my articles I was pushing for this guy to get into the Cork senior setup because I believe he should be and he is part of it it's his fitness levels right now that would concern me Dan um, if he's not fully up to speed fitness wise then I would be protecting him for later in the year and this is the other thing an inter-county manager has to do the world doesn't actually begin and end with the National League as though Every game seems to be like, seems to be that way at this time of the year. I think if you're not sure of Sherlock's fitness, if he's carrying an ox, same with Brian Hurley, then you mind them as much as you possibly can in the National League and have them absolutely at their optimum level for the Munster Championship. That's really where I think it would be coming from. I do agree. It's 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 in the past. It may not have proven as effective to have Brian and Stephen on the on the field at the same time because they're just so similar players. The two very, very good free-takers can kick off either leg. But I think Cork's best chance of winning any inter-county game is when you do have Sherlock and Hurley fully fit on the field. Maybe Sherlock dropping deep, maybe Hurley going forward or, or vice versa. I think it can work. But um, somebody of Sherlock's free-taking ability, certainly, personally, I would be starting him um, if he's fully fit. But if he's not fully fit, I'd be keeping an eye on him until I absolutely need him um, come the Monster Championship. We certainly seem to have a fair bro- run in I mean Kildare could well give us a, a game tomorrow which we certainly would be dreading then we have me the course but then our man that last game they might not necessarily be fighting for anything because they might already be home and hose in a final so in terms of run in it's run, runs in it's probably actually not the worst one in the world it's not, but you're doing the dangerous thing that I've been doing during the week as well and look at Doug Fixer's dad before they're played um, I've yet to meet a mead man or woman that wants that never wanted to beat Cork at football, let alone Tiddlywinks. And Kieran McGinney um, has a squad that he wants to prime for the Ulster Championship. Now, if he can get to a Division Two final and play Donegal, that's a bonus. But I also think he wants to see some competition for places. He's got players coming back from injury at the moment, and um, I, I think I don't think it would matter to Kieran McGinney coming down to Cork. He will play his strongest team and look to win that match because he's got. He's champing it a bit to get onto that starting team for the Ulster Championship. On paper, you could say things are favourable because me, don't forget, are already in the Sam Maguire Championship by winning the Talton Cup last year. 
but Cullum O'Rourke and Meath uh, coming, you know, taking on Cork in their backyard, they will not want to lose to them, irrespective of what situation they're in. And again, that's a young Meath team that are trying to find their feet and have been picking up a couple of wins here as well and seem to be, you know, going well. Last week they could easily have lost to Kildare, but they found a way to win. And I think that's what Cullum O'Rourke is looking to do: build on the momentum of the Talton Cup, get a good national league, um, and head into the Leinster Championship with a bit of confidence. So look. I, I personally think Cork sometimes play their best football against the higher ranked counties when they're not expected to put in a performance. They didn't do it against Donegal, uh, granted, at the start of the year, but last year against the likes of Roscommon, against the likes of Mayo. Um, and don't forget, they put it up to Kerry and they put it up to Dublin mm-hmm. in, in recent years as well. They always play well when they're perceived as underdogs to Cork. But I think if they get the victory over Kildare tomorrow, and I hope they will, and I think they will beat Kildare tomorrow, that's two wins under the belt. Um, going up to Mead certainly will not phase them. And they've been on the road already. They've been up to Fermanagh and they've won. And that final game against Armagh hopefully will draw a big crowd because it'll be an opportunity to see Cork before the last chance to see them before they hit the Munster Championship. So look, maybe I'm being overly optimistic now. Maybe, maybe I've been looking at it for too long but um, I would think that if Cork can get over Kildare the momentum of back-to-back wins is something that they could build on and certainly get results against Meath and Armagh but unfortunately because of the nature of this Division 2 and because of the nature of the closeness of the games this year they could just as easily if they don't turn up if Cork don't turn up in these games they could just as easily lose them and that's the reality we're living in in 2024 that this Cork senior team inter-county team in my opinion is as capable of beating higher ranked teams by the odd point as they are of losing to teams around them um, just because they haven't found a way to pull away from teams just yet yeah, my opinion is if we go into the Talton Cup, I think that is a bit of a disaster for Cork football. Myself and Matthew Hurley were kind of talking last week in a joker matter about the five-year plan they had in 2019. And it's been five years since, and Matthew was saying, you know, that they wrote, oh, we'd have a bit of silverware by then. I mean, the Talton Cup wasn't even a thing by then, but that's what, what uh, it might be coming to at this stage. What are your thoughts? Of, is the Talton Cup just a, a terrible, terrible thing for Cork? I think the Talton Cup, its concept is a very good idea. And Meath certainly benefited from... They shipped a huge amount of criticism last year when they failed to reach the Sam They went into the Talton Cup, but then they went and won it then. And that boost has helped them certainly this year. They're a much better team for it. My concern is not that Cork will end up in the Talton Cup, but that they will wouldn't win it and then that the, the criticism of Cork which usually, most of it comes from outside the county to be fair saying it's such a big county it should be doing better etc etc by going into the Talton Cup and not winning it might actually be worse if you know what I mean I'd rather go into the Sam Maguire and struggle rather than go into a Talton Cup competition you'd be odds right. on favourites for and not be able to handle the mantle as favourites so look Right now, I think the the only onus on this Cork team is to avoid relegation from Division 2. They just can't have that. They just can't be. We just have to stay in Division 2 at an absolute minimum. And if things, if push comes to shove and we eventually do end, end up in the Talton Cup, well, we cross that bridge when we come to it. But it's not a disaster in terms of for Cork football and the future of Cork football, but it would be a disaster for the additional pressure on an already, I think, sometimes mentally fragile panel. Yeah, not to get too negative and focus in on a man's job. He's been very good this year on the red bench. But do you think if Cleary doesn't get us through this league, uh, we get relegated, that his job is, is, is under threat? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And nor should it be. Um, it's not that long since he came in and took over from Keith Rickon. And John Cleary, every team he has ever gone to, he has approved. That's the reason he's gotten the job. I sometimes think that the criticism that he gets, we're, we're living in an era now, Dan, where social media, like the, the criticism ramps up. But it, it's, it's still only March. 
I mean, counties are judged by where they finish in the summer, not in March. It, would we prefer to be in Division 1 and challenging the top teams? Absolutely. Um, do we want to be in Division 2 and looking over our shoulders and worrying about the Talent Cup? Absolutely not. But John Cleary has earned this job. He's earned it by virtue of what he's done at club level, at ladies' football level, um, and every team he's ever been in charge of, Dan, I can tell you this, he's improved them. Um, it's just a very difficult time and there's a lot of additional pressure on the Cork Senior setup right now because people's expectation levels, I believe, sometimes are a little bit too high. But even if we have a disastrous National League campaign, same goes for Shane Ronan and the Cork ladies. Um, judge, judge John Cleary on the championship, not necessarily just on the league. See where we go in Munster, see how far we can get in the Sam Maguire if we reach that competition um, and judge him by, at the end of his tenure, not halfway through it. Sure, we'll we'll end it there. Thanks so much. Highly enjoyable. We're, we're half an hour in, I think, at this stage. <laughs> no butter talk soon, buddy. Thanks. Have a good one, Jer. Thanks to Jer for taking the call. Huge day for the Cork footballers tomorrow in the park. But speaking of Super Value Park, you believe it's currently Cork five points, Mayo five points in the Little Ladies National Football League. Dan Casey here on Cork's Good Times Red FM, bringing you all the day's sporting action. We'll be back shortly with reaction to Cork City's win over UCD in the cross last night. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Red FM Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM Welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Good Times Red FM Dan Casey here with you and not the Dan Casey who grabbed the winner from Motherwell against Rangers earlier to domestic football now and after last night's relatively unconvincing win over UCD our very own Rory O'Hagan caught up with Cork City boss Tim Clancy Tim overall I suppose three points three points how happy are you with the performance? Um, yeah listen uh, three points is three points I'll take another 33 of them this season um, it wasn't great I didn't think we were we were good tonight I thought UCD especially second half were far better Um but that performance showed us that uh, there's the other side. It answered another another question, which was a good check. When things aren't going well and we're not we're not playing as well as we can be, um, I thought we defended really well. Um, dealt with a lot of crosses, um, tackles, blocks, uh, balls into the box, and Brad's made a couple of saves. One was foot, I think, and the big one at the end. Then when when the player goes in on goal and he answers that as well. So um, performance-wise. Um, from an attacking point of view and with the ball not great um, without the ball was, was really good and um, listen it gets, us, it gets us three points yeah seven points from three games you've got to be happy with that start I guess we do yeah and I think if, if we look at pre-season we conceded a good few goals against Galway and then against Pats and against Shells and we played uh, Premier Division clubs um, as a very very young group and a new group um, because it was important to learn what we want to do off the ball uh, first rather than rather than in possession um, we'll have plenty of, plenty of uh, goals and plenty of chances created in games as the season goes on but we wanted to have that base of um, understanding what to do without possession so um, I think that's why pre-season was very good for us and I think if you take away the, the mistake up in Finn Harps uh, it's it's two clean sheets in three games and one goal conceded so um, that's the really pleasing thing A couple of positives to take from tonight I suppose the goal was a spectacular header from Keane but the delivery from Jack was exceptional yeah, I think the delivery that Jack and uh, Sean has from from dead balls and a few others in the squad as well I think um, it's definitely a threat for us we can attack areas and we can work on, on certain 
areas to attack where, where the delivery can be pinpointed. And Keane's got a great leap tonight, and um, he puts it in, and that's the difference of of going away with a draw and uh, five from nine, or a win and seven from nine, and um, that's really important as well. You know, they, they attack the ball really well and go box, uh, sorry, both boxes, and it's um, it's a massive part of the game. And a fit Craig Baldry as well, what an asset to have. Yeah, and again, that's that's what we're looking at. Greg was obviously missing the first couple of games. Um, it was good to get him on the pitch tonight. So uh, again, that'll be him reintroduced now to the squad for for next week. Um, you've got Bagsy who's not far off. You've got Derek Crowley who's not far off, and Murph as well. Malik's a few weeks probably beyond them mm. um, with his hamstring, but again, we're getting very close to having a, a fully fit squad. Um, young Maddie Kiernan got a dead calf against Kerry when he was excellent. Um, and we're looking, hopefully he'll be available next week as well. And all of a sudden now we're going to have um, a full squad more or less to pick from. Um, and that's really important as well to get through that little period of maybe four or five injuries that um, could be starters. Just lastly for me, uh, Barry Coffey sending off. What was your view on it? Yeah, listen, I've watched it back and I've, I've had a chat with the, um, the referee there. I can see why it's given. Okay. Um, and in fairness to the referee, Barry's just tried to stop the counter-attack by clipping his heels. And he's actually missed his foot initially, and then he stood in his heel. Like the referee made that kind of double yeah, gesture. it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, there wasn't. It wasn't. It was it malicious. No, he tried to click his clip his heel just to, to stop the attack, and he's actually missed him initially. And then when he planted his foot, he's landed on his on his heel. So um, listen, I can see why it's given, but it certainly wasn't no uh, malicious intent or endangerment to the player. So, um, but listen, we'll, we'll take that one and we'll go on next week. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, I think uh, Jack had a couple of chances. Um, we had a decent enough start, uh, but again, as, as, as the game went on, I think we're still as we're listening. It's very, very early in the season for us. We're still a very, very new team. Um, there's very few players, if, if any, from last season. It's King Coleman tonight. I think in my own head, is there anyone else that started the game? I don't think so. Barry Coffey, sorry as well, um, and that's it. So you've, you've nine sort of new faces and new players there. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna take a while to to get us in, in full gear, um, up to speed. But again, these are the games that are so important. UCD are a good side. It was very hard to analyse them uh, the first two games because they're down to ten men for seventy minutes against Bray and dug out a win. Um, and they sat in deep, and naturally enough, because they were down to ten men. And then last week they lost the treaty at home after the Collingwood Cup, where the treaty game was their fourth game in five days. So they were low on energy. So it was very hard to see exactly. Um, analyse them at their best and I think tonight you can see in, in a lot of spells especially in the second half that they're very fit they're, they're willing runners they're good on the ball and they play good football and um, they're going to cause a lot of trouble so I think the longer the season goes on this win will, will certainly um, look better on paper And Rory also caught up with his co-commentator and Cork City legend Philip Long to talk about proceedings at the cross Not a vintage Cork City performance Phil but three points No it wasn't a vintage Cork City performance but like you said three points is great Um you know, no goals against. Uh, march on again against Longford next week. Uh, I think the crowd went away happy. You know, it was a bad game. We were expecting better in the second half, considering that there was a gale force win for City in the second half mm-hmm. into the shed end. But it didn't. Ha- it didn't turn out that way. And it's bitterly cold as well. I know we're, we're complaining about Hertz for so high up, but it is cold, and that does affect us. Ah, yeah, it is cold. But the players wouldn't be cold up in the pitch. They need a Rory. You know, so um, it was. It was a good night result-wise, but a bad night as a supporter looking for a good game of ball. Let's talk about the positives. Um, that Kian Coleman goal was an absolute beauty. Oh, great goal. Great ball in by Jack Doherty. And, and Kian just rose up there and he stayed up there, you know, and just 
just poured it down onto the goal line and in, into the middle of the goal. Yeah, Doherty, like he's had such a good start. I mean, like we saw how good he was at Ramblers last season, scored 18 goals and a bucket of assists. But he started so strongly here. He's got three goals. He's got an assist. Like he had a tough game tonight because he was playing as the number nine and wasn't really getting as much service as he would have liked to feed. But yeah. he's had such a good start. Oh, he's had a great start, and he's up front on his own today. And he, his work rate was unbelievable tonight, Rory, because he chased across the line. And you know there was a couple of balls in the first half that he was unlucky. He could have scored two or three tonight yeah. as well. He was unlucky, but his work rate was very, very good tonight. You gave the man of the match to uh, Charlie Lyons. Uh, I'm not sure you've ever given a man of the match to a non-defender, so that streak continues. The Defenders Union, but he had such a good game considering ah. he was on a yellow card film. But that's always the way of Rory. Defenders are always under pressure. They're all, they have to hold out. They have to make sure, sure that they do their job. If they don't do their job properly, there's a goal against. Yeah. So that's why there's a Defenders Union. You know? Are <laughs> <laughs> we getting stuck in me at all, yeah. <laughs> No, Charlie played very, very well in the first he half. Did, he and did. With a yellow count, he had to be constantly watching and timing his tackles perfect just in case they get another yellow card and, and that'll be no good then. Yeah. So he played very, very well and I was delighted with that. Carlos Sullivan has been attracting rave reviews for his performances. Um, as I said in commentary, Tim Clancy told me after the last game to enjoy him when we can because he's is destined for good things. He's 16 years of age. He looks like he's been playing in the League of Ireland for a number of years already and it's just limitless potential it seems like with this young fella yeah he's, he, he looks very very happy on the ball and you know very very mature for a 16 year old and like you said he seems as if he's played there for a long time and it's great just watching him and he's, he's gaining more and more confidence you know as every week and I'd like to see him in training and just see what he's like in training yeah. but I'd say he's buzzing around the place and he's delighted with this opportunity that's yeah, what he is like we saw it during the game as well like he's the type of player because of the player he is he will ship a few heavy challenges but he just pushes himself off and gets back up yeah yeah but he's, he's, he's running on his toes all the time and he seems to be dancing around challenges <laughs> as well and which is, which is brilliant to see it really is and it's true I'd say what Tim said you know I don't think he'll be with us for long yeah he's absolutely fantastic player um, one sour note I suppose was the, the sending off of Barry Coffey um, for a straight red card near the end um, like he, the referee was saying it was for like a late challenge he kind of like put gestured with his foot that he kind of stamped down uh, on the UCD player what was your view? Um, well my view on it it's just probably just that timing was just a little bit out yeah. he's um, not that type of player he's not well. that player he's not that type of player no you're dead right there but it's just his timing was out and unfortunately the referee had no other choice in the matter but he took it very bad and you know as you said he's not that type of player so you know the, the best thing about it is that City won the game yeah. if they were lost the pressure would have been on him then saying you know yeah. we were down to 10 men yeah, you could see how upset he was in fairness yes like, you know big I mean? time he's big not time. that type of player yeah. um, another positive for uh, Cork City was the return of Greg Bolger um, he's a crowd favourite here a league winner with City a cup winner with Cork City he gives you that steel and that kind of determination in the middle of the parkville yeah he does and he does the simple thing he runs 10 yards either way but he dictates it's everything. Everything then goes through him. He, he pushes. He pushes the players on as well. You know, and it's it's great to see him back again. Great to see him back. And and the more games he played, the better for City. Yeah, certainly so. And uh, Aaron Healy, we talked about him in commentary. Obviously, Colin's son. I think, but he has to like deserves to be talked about in his own merits not just as Colin Healy some because Aaron Healy is a fantastic midfield player and he again just looks like a quality Cork City young player 
Oh yeah, he's great, great touches, and he's, he's made a couple of challenges there now tonight, and it was great to see that. Obviously, Colin will be talking to him about about his game and yeah. stuff, which is great to have. To have, and um, he can only get better. He can only get better. No, it's obviously Longford Town next to come for uh, Cork City uh, next week. Then we're back here against Bray. But look, you can't argue with like seven points from three games. It's a very solid return and looks something positive for City to build on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and you know, roll on Longford. You know, you, you still have to fancy City against Longford. But again, anything could happen in a match. Certainly can. Phil, it's always a pleasure. Good to see you back. Great to be back, Rory. Thank you. Great stuff there. Now, a few weeks back, I caught up with Cork jockey Dennis O'Regan about retirement and his career in the saddle. Unfortunately, only now I'm uh, getting the chance to play the second half of that interview. We joined back on him discussing his historic win at Hereford, where he became the first jockey to ride a winner at every national hunt track in Ireland and the UK. You know, people always say, you know, I've heard plenty of athletes in the past saying, you know, you know, you know, you know when it's time or uh, you know, well, I knew, you know, I knew. Um, I rode a Gorn since last Saturday week and, you know, I got a tiny fall, very simple fall and, you know, kind of set me back weeks and I thought, you know, that's just, um, you know, that's just, I just can't deal with that. So I just needed to rest. And uh, so I knew, you know, and I picked Navin. It was on one of Keen Collins' horses, the same trainer that supplied the winner in Hereford. My wife was working at Navin on the day. My kids could just go. It's not too far up the road, 20 minutes. And um, I thought, you know, I'd just keep it very simple, very low key. <laughs> but that didn't work out. Dennis, a lot of things, uh, from what I found talking to jockeys in it is when that they struggle to know when to retire. That doesn't strike me that that happens to you. Do you think jockeys are becoming more aware of when to, uh, when to call it a day? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think I think just based on myself, I knew I was going to, that's it. Um, I think uh, I had, maybe a lot of jockeys didn't have that same goal near the end of their career. I mean, how many jockeys out there had a goal like that, you know? I mean, the goal for every jockey every day is to write winners, but to ride a winner in one track in the UK and such a build-up for it and over a 12 to 15, 16-month period trying to get it. I mean, sure, it's just an ex- it's just a complete relief um, when it's done. And, you know, it's very hard to find a goal then after that. Um, you know, unless you have six or seven grade one horses. Depends on the type of jockey you are and how well you're doing. Uh, I had a great season last season towards the end. Um, you know, from January say to March to April, I had a very good run, and even into May, June, July, uh, I had a I had a brilliant run. But again, set back with injuries again. You know, I think you just get a, sick of it. You know, sick of the injuries. You know, like I broke my shoulder last year as well, and um, the year before I broke my, my right ankle. You know, so I've had a every year the last three years I've been having a kind of a significant injury even though I've had a great run throughout my career with injuries I was starting to get a kind of just wasn't able to take the falls as well and you know I knew mentally that my time was up that was it what was the point Um, I have a young family I have a responsibility to them and um, you know it's the older I was getting the more I was putting into my fitness mentally as well and it was really 
starting to bother me. Um, I always felt that the younger jockeys were a slight step. They were an inch or two ahead of me the whole time. They had just that, a bit of edge. And uh, I was trying to keep on top of that and manage that. Anyway, uh, Dennis, what's been uh, what's been the career highlight? Uh, well, for me, for me, Dan, it's not necessarily about having a big winners. You know, I've had, I have a beautiful wife, two gorgeous children, and I've had a healthy enough run of it. And the people that I have met in racing is my highlight. Uh, you know, I definitely think. The people that I've met throughout my life as a jockey, you know, every one of them have have played a significant part in making me the person I am today. And I definitely thank them for all of that. In terms of winners, you know, it'd be very hard to beat the winner in Hereford last week, two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, there's been some huge highlights, I suppose, um, going right back to the start, Galway Plate. Galway Hurdle um, on Quick Jack and English Driver wins the Sayers Hurdle, Tidal Bay win the Arkle and backing, backing it up at Aintree. Uh, you know, even Beacon Edge there just in 2021 in the Drinmore at Ferias, that was a huge one for Noel Mead. It felt like my career had taken, gone full circle. And uh, yeah, so look, uh, just so many highlights. Um huge amount of them but yeah I think I think to be coming out in one piece now and have my family together and we're healthy and we can move forward I think that's that's the big result for me You're there talking about um, the younger jockeys earlier who's the best the best up and comer do you think? You know there's a good few up and coming young lads there at the moment um I suppose, you know, it's very hard to say Jack Kennedy's a young lad, even though he is only a young fella, because he's done so much already. But he is only a chap, you know, very young fella. And, of course, we have then the other end of it, Paul Townend and Mark Walsh would be two great friends of mine. And, you know, they're two very, very, very good jockeys. Um, and then I think, you know, I suppose I have a lot of time for the likes of Darrell O'Keefe who is actually another Cork jockey. And uh, I feel he's been progressing very nicely, very self-made, very self-independent. And, you know, he rode a lovely race to win the Charlie Hall there only a couple of weeks ago on Gentleman's Game, I think he's called, yeah, for Mouse Morris. That was a good, that was a good winner for him. He gave that a very good ride. He beat Brave Man's Game on the day and uh, that's a good goal cup trial and I thought he did very well with that and uh, I'd say I like um, you know obviously you know there's, there's the likes of Jordan Gainford there as well the Wexford chap I think he's pretty good um, you know there's some serious talent coming through now if only they're minded and you know they're really young and there's a big gap there now. So they all of a sudden uh, might be getting a lot more than they would have not than than to say the likes of me would have in my generation. Uh so they they might have to take on a lot a lot. And I hope they're protected and minded. Um, you know, um it's something that horse race in Ireland will have to uh absolutely 
make sure that these young guys are protected because, you know, there's a big gap. Like I say, there's a big gap there now. And, you know, they're going to be used because they're very good. So they're going to get used and they're going to get abused. So their talent will be used and abused. So, you know, they need to stay injury free and, and, and a bit of luck, you know, and, and keep their heads about them. And I think they'll do fine. Yeah. Speaking of Cork jockeys, speaking of y'all jockeys, even, uh, Davy Russell, of course, another y'all man like yourself. Did that, um, induce a friendship or was it a cause for rivalry? Well, Davy Russell would be a few couple of years older than me. And obviously, you know, when he was coming on in, in Ireland, when he was starting out as a professional, he obviously stayed amateur for a long time and I turned professional young, young enough. And we kind of had two separate careers. Like he obviously was getting going then as a professional when I was flying as a professional in Ireland and was heading for the UK. And so I didn't see much of Russell, I suppose, until he kind of came to Cheltenham and and uh, and the entry and then meetings while I was in England. And then I rode quite a bit with him, you know, against him in Ireland in the summer and that. Always a very competitive jockey. Um, my, my, my parents would have known his parents for years and years and even his sister's would have actually uh, minded me as a young fella a long time ago now, uh, even, you know, vaguely remembered. But, yeah, it's, you know, Davies had a, a, a great career and, look, I'm, I'm delighted to see that he came out of it in just about intact anyway. And any jockey that has gone through what we've gone through for 20, 25 years at the level you know, well, especially at the level he was at, but at the level I was at, uh, where every ride mattered and you weren't always guaranteed a good horse, uh, then, you know, anyone that gets out the other end of it can always be very proud. And David Russell can be very proud of his career, very proud of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if there'll ever be two more jockeys from y'all ever again produce the same amount of success you know, as the likes of Davy Russell has, and you know, and even myself to 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 just a slightly lesser Absolutely. degree. But you know, it's um, fair play. Anyone that gets out the other end, you'd have to admire them, to be honest. Yeah, Cork. I mean, this is the big red bench for Cork's for them. After all, like we've had some incredible turnover of jockeys in the last twenty years. Yeah. Is there a particular yeah. reason for that, or is it the luck of the draw? Well, I think you know, um, I'd say. The point of point and scene in Cork for years and years, and the pony racing scene in Cork for years and years has been one of the heart of you know it's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, the pony race, and if you go back, I remember riding in a pony race in Yall years ago. There was Davy Russell, Liam Canary, Barry Canary, Barry Garrity, Jamie Spencer, myself, all rode in that pony race. I mean, you look at the level of rider that was there then in, I mean, back 30 years ago uh, is incredible, really. And, you know, that sort of competition from a very young age and then obviously the Pint of Pints when myself and Davey went on to the Pint of Pints. Now, Davey was at a different league in the Pint of Pints to, to me. Um, but I still rode in an awful lot of Pint of Pints and I was riding against the likes of Lord of Mercy and I'm now John Thomas McNamara Brian Hassett Jamie Codd uh, I started with Jamie Codd 
uh, Noel, there was a fella called Noel Mead, John Leahy, John Lumbert, um, you know, our Tom Lumbert, apologies, James Sheehan, and I'm, I'm actually leaving out a few there that I just can't think off the top of my head, but they were wonderful, wonderful horsemen. You know, they were these old, they were these horsemen, they were just class horsemen, they could, you know, they'd nurse young four-year-olds around a pint of pints, they were just, they were amazing to watch. And, you know, so, you know, the likes of us being growing up in the middle of that, in the pint of pints from a very young age, was something that was always going to last in our careers, you know, it's our earliest memories uh, how them boys rode back then and uh, we wanted to ride like them too and uh, you know they were geez, they were serious horsemen you know absolutely serious now and uh, you know even Noel Feely and you know the likes all of them lads came through the Pine of Pines and his brother Noel's brother I think is Eamon uh, and there was there was just so many you know they were all great riders um, all competing against each other I rode against James Motherway another guy that I rode against in Drumahan they were all riding at the same time now they're all trainers <laughs> I ended up riding for them the last few years but um, <laughs> yeah which is which is bizarre yeah yeah it's bizarre but uh, yeah I think that's what it was I think for Cork they had the best the, the pony racing is is very untouched in Cork and then the Pint of Pints and the Pint of Pints Damien Murphy the, the Pint of Pints became huge then in Cork huge now it's all Wexford but back then it was all Cork and they had all the good horses and good horses make good jockeys and that's how uh, so many good jockeys came from Cork in my opinion anyway it's like it's like a good school isn't it or a good county with hurling, isn't it? They, they get a generation where every they have wonderful players. They'll go win in All Ireland, and then they'll have generations where they just can't can't get going at it at all. And I think it's something similar, to be honest. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, Cork's uh, hurling generation will start back up while Limerick's go go uh, down. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, yeah, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Oregan, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. Uh, you've had, geez, you've had some career, fair play. <laughs> some going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, look, I'm, like I say, Dan, thanks a million. I'm very grateful to, to for the career I've had. And, you know, I don't take it for, for granted one second. I know how lucky I was. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a pleasure dealing with everyone in the press, everyone up and down, yourself, including Red FM, Anywhere, all over the country, every every interview, uh, it's all, it's always been a pleasure uh, talking to you guys. So uh, hopefully we'll see you in the next in the next cartoon. I <laughs> will get you into the punditry yet, Dennis. Thank you so much. I never know. Thanks, Dan. Thanks a million. Absolute pleasure. Thanks to all the contributors here on the Big Red Bench. I'm sure Dennis Regan is enjoying his retirement. A few things to tidy up. Luton are still losing 2-0 against Aston Villa. Cork's Chirozi Arbene came on after only six minutes. In the big one in the Allianz Football League Division 1, Derry beat, or Dublin beat Derry, 116-111. to The Dubs absolutely sublime once more. In Super Value Park, Decreve at the moment, the Cork Ladies footballers are losing to Mayo on a scoreline of nine points to six. That's my lot. Best luck to the Cork footballers tomorrow for their clash against Kildare. Get to the park for 3.30 to support the lads. A huge one indeed. Dan Casey signing off for the bigger bench. Sarah will be back here tomorrow at six with all the day's sporting review. But for now, Stevie G is on the way next. 
Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Red FM.